Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. One of the most common questions we ask is, how do I hear God? Is God far away? Does He speak today? How do we have a conversation with God and receive direction for our own lives? How can we then show love and impact the world around us? In this series, we'll look at the ways we can listen to the voice of God, engage with Him in our everyday life, and take practical next steps in our spiritual journey. Join us for Hearing God. Man, it's so good to worship with you guys. So glad to be back together here in the building. We also still want to welcome those of you that are watching online all around the world. And uh, as we've always been saying, we want to say hello to you. So text hello to the number on the screen. Well, hey, before we go on, I want to call your attention to something that's really special. And, And I would just like to reach out and say, if you consider Grace Life your home church, I want to ask you to go and find on our social media uh, a conversation that we sat down and recorded between our worship pastor, Gregory Bruno and myself, talking about racism, love, and unity in our world today, and especially in our church. And so if you haven't seen that yet, please go check that out and catch that. Well, uh, everybody, we are in a series. We're wrapping up uh, in just one more week. Today is actually part three of it, and we've been talking about hearing God's voice. Have you guys enjoyed this? All right, if you've missed any of it, it is online, so that's the good news. You can go get all of it. Uh, And so as we've been doing this series, we had two foundational thoughts. Uh, Number one is that God wants to dwell with his people and speak to his people, right? It's all throughout Scripture. God is not far off and just doesn't care about us. No, God is personal. He wants to be right here with us. He wants to dwell with his people and speak to his people. And the second foundational thought is that God speaks in more than one way. And so for this series, we've been looking at God's voice as three different ways that he speaks, kind of three categories. And we started out saying that God has a spiritual voice, right? And this is not surprising if you think about it. God is spirit. We have a spirit. And we have God's spirit dwelling in us. And so there's no surprise that there's an internal voice that speaks directly to our hearts from God. If you missed that one, you really need to get it because it's, it's kind of the foundation for the whole series. And so that's the internal voice. But it also, uh, God has an external voice. And that's the natural voice. God speaking through our natural world, natural things that happen in our natural world. And we talked in part two how predominantly those are people and our circumstances. But if you follow the series so far, you know that those two voices can leave a lot to interpretation, right? Has anybody ever had an experience where somebody's come to you and said, well, you know, I think God is saying to me, and then they said the dumbest thing you have ever heard on planet Earth, right? Come on, everybody's had that happen at least once. My story as a pastor, I had a guy come to me one time. uh, He felt called to be a missionary, and he had a heart for a specific country. He had already learned the language for that country, and he was just hoping to go there someday. And this particular country had just had a massive natural disaster. And he came to me saying, God is telling me, this is the time. Now is the time to go. I need to go and do what God's calling me to do. And I said, that's awesome, man. So, so when are you and your family moving down? And he said, well, my wife doesn't want to go, so I'm leaving my family. True story. And I said, well, I, I think we should reconsider because I don't think that's God speaking to you. And then he began his argument that it, 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 God was, and, and I said God's not, and that went back and forth. And so the real question is, don't we wish that God had a voice that left a whole lot left, less up to our interpretation? Don't we wish God had a voice that, that if we could go to that voice, pretty much everything would be clear right in front of us? 
Well, the good news is God does, and that's what we're talking about today. Today, I want to talk to you about God's written voice. God has a written voice for us, and you know, I grew up going to church, and I grew up hearing the Bible says all the time, right? Anybody else? The Bible says, the Bible says. Uh, well, here's the problem. Even though I knew what the Bible said for my life, I didn't always do it because I didn't always like what it said. I'm not alone, right? Somebody here is with me in this one. And so here's the thing. Our struggle is that we want to hear God's voice clearly. We want to know what God wants for our lives. We want to know that God is looking down from heaven saying, you are in my will. You have got this thing right. We all want that, but we don't like the idea that that perfect voice could exist and we don't get to negotiate the parts of it that we're a little more frustrated with. So the question we're going to be addressing today is very simple. Is the Bible God's voice to us? Every one of us at some point in our lives is going to have to answer that question. Well, actually, there was a survey done in churches a few years back, a survey in church among people who were going to church, and they actually asked the question, do you believe that the Bible is God's word? And again, these were people in church in America. And do you believe this? Here's what's 93% of them said no. Y'all thought I was going to say yes, didn't you? You, you knew, like, yeah, there's faith for it. No, no, no. 93% said no. Only 7% believe the Bible is God's voice to us. And so this is the question every one of us is going to have to decide. Is the Bible God's voice to you? And, and I'm going to do a little timeout right here because I know right now the questions would just be all over the room if I were to actually let you ask them. And, and so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, there are legitimate questions that many of you probably have about, wait a minute, Jimmy, given all that we know through scientific discoveries, and given what the world has or has not found through archaeology and history, and, and the questions about the origin of the universe, there are there's just so much. How can you tell me I'm just supposed to believe that at face value? Where's the good news for you? I'm not going to tell you to do that. We're actually going to do an entire series on how you can believe the Bible if you still keep your brain. We've been working on this for over a year. I've got a scientist who has been my research assistant, and we're not going to give you the dumb answers that just say, well, just believe, golly gee. We're not going to do that. I mean, like this is going to be serious facing intelligent issues. And so I want to encourage you, that's coming. It's our very next series, but that's not what we're doing today. What we're doing today is talking about how if you believe you're going to heaven, if you believe that you can be forgiven and have eternal life, well, there's only one book you got that idea from. And if we're going to take that idea, but then throw out the stuff we don't like that might affect how we do Friday night or some other part of our lives, well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So look, if you've got questions, let me say it again. We're going to do a series. Start July 12th. I want to invite you to be a part of that. I want to invite you to invite a friend because I think every one of us knows somebody who their big hang-up with believing in Jesus is some story in the Bible that they just can't get past. We're going to deal with that in a way that is just, it's, it's research-based, it's science-based, it is history-based. I want to encourage you to come back for that. And the second group of people that I want to give a pass to today is people who haven't committed their lives to God. They haven't surrendered to God. They haven't said, Jesus is my king. Maybe you're in a place where you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just still searching spiritually a little bit. I'm not sure what I believe. I'm not sure where I stand. Then I also want to give you space as we talk today to say, I'm not sure. I want to agree with all that. That's okay, because you also have not said that, that Jesus is your king. 
So this is primarily for people who have said, Jesus is my king and I want God to talk to me. But then we take part of his voice and kind of set it aside. So is everybody with me on what our goal is today? Because we've got to decide if the Bible is God's voice to us. And so, look, the whole idea that God has a written voice is a really bold claim, isn't it? I mean, just think about that. How can we say that? Well, we can say that because the Bible says that. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you in just a few minutes. It says that in a few places. And well, here's where that leaves you and me. If the Bible claims that it is God's voice, then we only have two options. Option one is we accept its claim and we believe it. Option two is we discount it all. Because the claim is absolute lunacy if it's not actually from God. And you can't keep some stuff and throw out some other stuff if it's based upon a, a whole crazy idea, right? So we're going to talk about this here today. So check this out. And uh, I'm going to show you just a couple of the claims that the Bible makes about itself. Starts in 2 Timothy 3, if you're following along with me in your Bible. And it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. I'm going to pause right there because I want you to understand that phrase for you and me has one Greek word behind it. And here's what's really cool about this Greek word. It was never used until this moment. Matter of fact, it was actually coined for this moment. This Greek word was never used in the writing of Scripture up until this moment. And it's a word that simply says God breathed. And it comes together. It takes two words and puts them together and made a new word. And that tells us a little bit something about the power behind it. Because they could have used all kinds of words. They could have said anything. And what they were trying to do is bring together a new combination of understanding. The source is the life of God. This is the character of God that is coming through it, bringing life to this, that it is from God himself. He's the source and he's the origin. And it's a new word. So it goes on to say that this idea of Scripture being all breathed out by God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. What that tells us is that we can know everything that we need to know to live a godly life. Everything that we need to know, every question is going to be answered through that. It goes on to make the claim in another place. Second Peter, if you're following along in your Bible at home, says, knowing, the first, knowing this first of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No matter of fact, prophecy was only produced by the will of man, but men, I'm sorry, I did not read that right, did I? No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So yes, written by the hands of men, spoken by the mouth of men, but breathed out by God. The origin comes from God. But the great question, of course, is like, why? Has anybody ever asked that question? Like, why do we have the Bible? What's the whole point of the Bible? Is it just so that somebody like me has a job? No, it's not. I promise you that. The whole point of the Bible is because God created the world. God created man. Man is on the world. And now man, God has his first problem, so to speak. He didn't really have a problem. But the point is now man doesn't know God. If you do know a little bit about how the story goes, God used to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with his first created humans. And the problem is sin entered the world. And they were cast out of the garden, but also that perfect relationship was broken, which is why you and I need Jesus. And so we've had a difficulty knowing who God is and hearing from him ever since. And so after that point, we've got people on the earth that don't know anything about a God in heaven. So God has to tell them, has to reveal himself. So he begins to reveal himself by having interactions with some of them. He shows up and talks to a guy named Abraham and says, hey, I don't like where you're living. I'm going to give you a whole new land. So Abraham does what he says, writes that down. We have that story for us today. He goes to a guy named Moses and he decided for whatever. I, don't, I just think God is fun. 
Because God could have just like spoken and God could have done anything. And I just imagine God up in heaven saying, what would be a really fun, creative way to talk to this guy? I know, I'll set a bush on fire. And so anyway, it's a cool story, right? So God talks to Moses through a burning bush. And we have that story and what God said to him. And we have countless encounters of God revealing himself to people and those people writing that down. Then we have times where people, where God talked to people and said, write this down so that other people will know, like the Ten Commandments and, and then more and then more and then more. And so over the centuries now, actually over the millennia, we have God's revelation of himself to us. That is why we have the Bible. But this is what is so important about it, because without the Bible, we can't know God personally. We can't know his character. We can't know his goodness. We can't know his mercy. We can't know his plan for forgiveness. We can't know about Jesus and salvation. We can't know any of this without God's word to us. And that is why, from the very beginning, God's word has always been under attack. His voice. Matter of fact, in the very beginning, Satan went to Eve, and one of the questions he asked was, did God really say that? Is that really God's word for you? And it's the question that we've been asking as humans ever since. So I do believe the Bible is God's written voice to us. And one of the reasons for it, again, is because God tells me that. He makes that claim. And, and that's okay, again, if you're on that journey. But let me show you this out of Deuteronomy 30. God equates what he's written with what he says to us. He says, for the Lord uh, will again take delight and prosper in you when you obey the voice of of the Lord. Well, what's the voice of the Lord? To keep his commandments and his statutes that are written. We obey the voice of the Lord by doing what he's written. He is the one who says he has a written voice. And that really, by the way, is why it must be a part of our lives. I, I don't ever like saying, have you read your Bible today? You really ought to read your Bible. I don't, I don't do that. But here's the point. If there is a voice from God that will answer the overwhelming majority of our life struggles, and we're all saying, come on, God, I just want to feel you're close to me. I just want to know you know what I'm going through. I just want to hear from you. And then we don't ever touch his voice. We're going to continue, but God, no, it's here. So look, I'm not going to tell you you oughta and you shoulda. I'm going to just tell you this will bring life to you. And so the Bible is God's word. And because the Bible is God's word and his voice to us, so much of our life is already cleared up. I mean, it's just there for us. Like so many questions you might have, it's determined because it becomes our truth, right? So, so like the idea, we, we don't have much money, honey. What do we do about this? Okay, the whole idea, should I still? No, the Bible's already answered that. Look, you don't have to pray about whether or not you should steal to solve your financial problems. He's answered that one for us. You do not need to have a dream. Matter of fact, if you have a dream of you stealing and believe it is God speaking to you, then, then you had the bad pizza before you went to bed that night because God's never going to contradict his written voice because he says his written voice is perfect, reviving our soul. That's the thing. And so, you know, even if you come and say, hey, look, I've got an idea, Pastor. Uh, I'm going to go steal a really expensive car, and I'm going to sell it and give all the money to the church and solve the leaky roof problem. And, and that's got to be God's will. No, it's not God's will. I don't care what the best thing is that you think you can do with that money. It is not God's will because there's no stealing, right? And, and in every other area of our life, there are so many questions that God has already answered, like, if you ever been offended, you ever been hurt, forgive. Didn't say if you want to forgive, if you feel like forgiving, if you, you, you finally like the person again, forgive. No, it just simply says because you've been forgiven, you forgive others. 
It's, it's just decided for us. And yes, that's a challenge to our lives, which is why some of us don't like the Bible, because especially when somebody's hurt us, we, uh, we don't want to forgive. And so it challenges us. And as soon as it challenges us, then that is where it gets really difficult. And, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the, the biggest objection I face at this point, anytime I try to talk to somebody about this, this is where the question is. I know somebody's asking it right here, which is, uh, uh, but Jimmy, that book is old. That book is like really old. I mean, you just said millennia, man. That thing has been out there forever. So that's cool. It can tell me some rules from like thousands of years ago. But what about the stuff I face today? Like what about my life right now, the biggest struggles that I'm having? Well, let me share with you what the Bible says again. For the word of God is living and active. Now, think about this. If, again, I'm allowing you room to make your own decision tonight. You, you get to decide for your own life. But if the Bible is God's word, if the Holy Spirit worked through man to write this down, we're already talking about a supernatural spiritual process, right? I mean, this is already not natural. God is already doing a miraculous work to reveal himself on planet Earth through the hands of man so that we can know who he is. And he even said it was so much as, as God breathed, my life is in this. So why should we be surprised that a supernatural spiritual work that has the life of God breathed into it is still alive, right? And some of you know those stories where you're, you're sitting down, you, you read your Bible, you're coming across something, and, and you've read it before, and you still have one of those... <gasps> moments. Man, I never saw, I never, oh, I got to deal with that, you know, because it's alive and it brings out exactly what's going on, which matter of fact is what this says. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, because it's alive. It's alive. And, and, and listen, the issues we face it addresses absolutely everything. I, I, don't, I don't care how old the Bible is. What you and I face today, we still face the same thing. And, and if you will allow me a, a little, little bit of room, when I was preparing this message this week, I, I decided I was going to show you how relevant the Bible is. Because I'm not going to just tell you that it's facing, you know, things that you've dealt with in your life or something you dealt with last year. I'm going to tell you that it answers every question about the biggest issue that you and I face literally this day in 2020. The biggest issue that you and I are seeing in our world today is the racial tension around us, right? Let me show you a little bit about what the Bible says about that. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of them all. See, here's the deal. That was saying that, hey, they're the Jews, and then there's everybody else. Greek was kind of a term for everybody who wasn't Jews. Even when Jesus walked the earth, you need to know Jesus experienced racism because he was a Jew in a world that hated Jews. He, he understands the situation that some of us are in. Ever since we've been on the earth, we have divided into groups of people. It even goes on to say, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Then why then are we faithless to one another? We've got one daddy. How can we treat each other this way? I'm going to tell you one of the things that bothers me more than anything in my own home is to watch my children argue with each other. I, 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 you can't do this. Your family, you are one, and it drives me crazy. And I know somebody would want to rebut my point here and say, well, yeah, but we actually are different. J Jimmy, haven't you noticed? I mean, look, some are black, some are white. And I'd say, yes, yeah, some of my kids are boy and some are girl, and they're still from the same family, right? We can be different and have the same father. And it goes on to say this. How about if anyone says, I love God but hates his brother? He's a liar. <laughs> how can somebody love, uh, not love his brother who he's seen, but, but claim to love God they've never seen? 
And so look, we just established right there, the Bible says, hey, we've got an issue if we look at people around us without the same love as everyone else, right? Okay, so what do we do about that? When we see that happening, Bible answers that. It says, learn to do good. Seek justice and correct oppression. Don't just ignore it. Don't just say, yep, somebody's dealing with it out there somewhere. Do something about it. Well, if we're going to do something, maybe the Bible tells us what to do or how to do it. Yep, sure does. It says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We should do something, but not every something we can do is what we should do. You guys seeing what I'm saying? As old as this issue is and yet as new as it is, as relevant as it is for us in our world today, what else are we facing? How about marriage struggles? Don't raise your hands for this, especially if you're sitting beside your spouse right now. But anybody ever had marriage struggles? Look, this has been around since the beginning. The Bible will answer the marriage struggles issues. At the very beginning, it was only about a page between Adam going, whoo, God, man, you did an awesome thing in this girl, to it's her fault. <laughs> marriage struggles have been around forever. The Bible has an answer for that. How about money? Money has been around. Problems with money, stewardship, greed. What do I do with it? How do I spend it? Getting into debt. Do you know Jesus talked more about money than he did prayer and heaven put together? This is not a new problem. Being in debt, not a new problem. Talks about that in the Bible. How about raising kids? That's been around ever since the beginning as well. Once Adam and Eve finally made up after they left the garden, the kids have been around forever. How to raise your kids, it's there. There is not one thing we can face today that we say the Bible is too old for that. The Bible may be old, but the issues you and I face, so are they. There's nothing new. Everything has been addressed by the written voice of God because the Bible is God's written voice to us. And so what we have to do at this point, like I told you, everybody gets to make their own decision for their own lives. But that's where it begins for you. Today, we have to decide, is the Bible going to be God's authority for my life? It's the question for every single one of us. We have to decide if the Bible is God's authority for my life. I want to tell you a little something I do when I, I do premarital counseling. At some point when we're going through the weeks and they come and they sit down, and the funny thing about engaged couples is they just think life is awesome and perfect and their spouse, is, future spouse, is perfect and everything's great. And they're always smiling. They're always bubbly, and they come in and they're just, oh, I just love you so much, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And so I just look at them with a really awkward question about week three and just say, so what's the authority in your home? And they're caught off guard because they're too busy just doing googly eyes at each other and not really sure to answer that question. And, and they try some things, you know, like, uh, well, uh, uh, and they, I've heard some crazy answers, I'm just going to tell you. And, and so eventually I get to it. At first, I'll, I'll have a, a, a Bible to hint, and I'll slide it across the table and then I'll just pick it up. And so what's the authority going to be in your home? And then usually they'll come close and go, oh, 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 oh God. Yeah. Okay. How do you know what, what God wants for your home? The, oh, the Bible. And here's the point. I, I challenge every couple that I'm going to do a wedding for that the best thing you ever can and will do for your marriage is before you say I do to each other, you sit down and you look at each other and say, if this answers our question, we have no question. Because that is the most bestest, whatever, I'm South Carolina educated. That's the best chance you are ever going to have at putting two humans together and thinking they're going to get along. It is taking what God has said and applied to it. 
I've heard the, the crazy ideas of, well, you know, we just are, we're just such soulmates, we're always going to agree. I reach for my trash can, you know, I need to puke at that point, like whatever. You know, or they say, oh, well, you know, if we don't agree, we're just going to wait till we're unified. Oh, so basically the one that disagrees rules the house? Okay, yeah, that's going to go real well too. Matter of fact, if you would hurry up because I've got that marriage appointment right after yours. Those people are waiting that, you know. And so they're, well, we'll, we'll just, we'll always figure it out or, or we'll talk to somebody else. Well, listen, somebody else never agrees either, just so you know. But here's the thing. If you decide that there is an actual source of truth for your life, Many of your issues are going to be solved. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, it's the only reason I'm standing in front of you today. If anybody's been around Grace Life any period of time, you know, one of the, the greatest strengths that we have been given by God is the ability to minister to struggling marriages because we had one. Been there, done that, uh, probably a whole lot better. And by that, I mean struggled with great struggles better than, than a lot of people. We, we figured out how to just really not like each other. Um, uh, we were doing a counseling appointment this week, and my, uh, my wife even told the, the, the wife there, said, oh, don't worry how you feel, honey. My husband went on a trip one time, and I prayed the plane would crash. <laughs> it's my life, y'all. And uh, I'd like to say feel sorry for me, but I prayed similar prayers, so just so you know. <laughs> we, had a, we had a really tough time, and, and we're not here today because we suddenly started liking each other. We're here today, and some of you have heard this as part of our testimony. We're here today because we had no way out that lined up with this. The we're not getting along right now is not in here. The one of us is really broken, the other one's really broken, and we just keep pushing each other's buttons until we get the right healing. For, nope, that's not in there. Get healing is in there. God will heal you. God will help you. Matter of fact, <laughs> the story of our lives was in here. It's in Proverbs. It says, so iron will sharpen iron as one man sharpens another. God's like, let me just put these two really like pointy, chippy pieces together. And there's going to, eventually they'll be cute if they just obey this long enough for me to do my work in their life. See, we're only here because we both were more committed to God's word than we were to each other, actually. You have to decide for yourself. If the Bible is God's voice for your life, if the Bible is God's authority, because I, I just want to, again, I kind of did this at the beginning, but I just want to do it again. Look, if you're an atheist, I don't expect you to live according to the Bible. And, and if you haven't committed your life to Jesus as your king, I, I bet you only live according to a couple of things in the Bible or something like that. And, and that makes sense because you've declared that's where you are. What I struggle with is when I see somebody who says, I am saved by the blood of Jesus, I have eternal life in heaven, but I don't like that part of the Bible and I'm not going to do it. And I want to just challenge us. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. All the people online get to just click right now and leave, but y'all going to have to stay. But here's the question is, is how can you put your eternal future in the hands of the Bible, but not put your earthly life in the hands of the Bible? Is it one of those going to last a little bit longer? Is it one of those a little more serious? And if you're going to trust the Bible with the longest, most serious one, why can't you trust it with a couple of years on earth? Which leads to point number two. Trust. If the Bible is God's revelation of himself for you, then trust his heart for you. Trust his heart for you to be good for you. 
Because that really is what it is all about. Once you decide it's God's word, then you have to decide, are you going to believe God is good? If God is a good God, then, then what's in there is for your good. And this, at this point in my life as a pastor is where I get the objection. But there are so many rules. It's just rule after rule after rule. There are just so many rules. And, and all the rules are just there to take the fun out of life. I'm going to tell you, if there's a command in this book, it's not a rule to take the fun out of life. It's a boundary to take the pain out of life. Did y'all get that? If there's anything in this book that God says, do or don't, it's not a rule to take the fun out of life. It's a boundary to take the pain out of life. Again, it's what he actually says about it. And the Lord commanded us to do these things, to fear the Lord our God for our good. And the the older that I've gotten, the more that I've simply said, I'm going to do what's there. And, And it's not because I've become more compliant as I've gotten older. I'm still quite the rebel and likes to get in trouble, and I'll repent of that later. But No, I've just learned to trust God more. I've gotten to a point where I've just seen his goodness time and time again. And I felt his, not his, I felt the pain of the world when I didn't do it his way. And I've just finally said, okay, you know what? It took me a while. So if it takes you a while, well, at least you and I can hang out and talk about it. But it took me a while to say, you know what, God? Whatever it says, I surrender. Because this is your voice. And I want to be close to you, and I want to hear your voice, and I want to know you, and I want to, I want to have your favor in my life. And, well, if this is your voice, then how can I just ignore that? If I could give you uh, any sort of analogy to equate this. If you could imagine you have a relationship. Uh, maybe you're married, boyfriend, girlfriend, engaged, whatever. And you had to spend some time apart. And, and, and let's also pretend we go back in time before FaceTime and everything else. Back in the day when people wrote things down. And let's say you wrote letters to each other. But you never read them. And you said, you know what? I, that's okay. Honey, I don't really care about what you wrote. I just want to know what you say to me while we go out for coffee. But I wrote some serious stuff in that letter to you. As a matter of fact, I poured out my heart in that. Well, that's okay. I appreciate that, that that's there. But you know what? I know you'll still talk to me at Starbucks. That'll be good enough for me. On our date night, I'll get a little more from you. But I don't like to read letters. We want a God who is close. Well, he is. Because he breathed this into our presence, into our generation. This is him, his spirit. And I'll tell you, my, one of my main jobs as a pastor is to help people through the pain for the 93% of people. You remember the study? The 93% of people who end up in my office saying, well, I know what the Bible says, but can you help me? Well, my spouse left, and yes, I know what the Bible says, but yeah, we can help. God redeems, God restores, God puts things back together. 
could have been less pain along the way. So back to the guy at the beginning of the story. He went, left his family. I still see him on Facebook. He's still traveling the world alone. Somewhere out there is a family that might present God because God told their daddy to leave them. It's not rules that take the fun out of life. They're boundaries that take the pain out of life. And so for every one of us, we, we've simply got to decide, are we going to let God's written voice be a voice to us? And, and I'm going to say it one more time because I really am want to beat this point home. It is okay to say, I want to say yes, Jimmy, but I have questions about that whole six days thing. How could that happen? And the, the fish, the whole three days in the fish thing. I'm not, I, come on, come on, seriously? I got questions about that. And, and haven't they dug up enough evidence in Israel by now to prove this thing? Come on, seriously, I've got questions about that. Okay, again, hold those questions. We'll address every one of them with absolute academic integrity that's not the question today the question today is for people who say you're my God and I know that because of that because it is this that tells me you love me enough to send your son for me it's this that tells me you're a personal God that likes me and loves me but I don't know about some of it and that's where I'm going to challenge us today because God does have a spiritual voice has a natural voice but God also has a written voice and it speaks loud and it speaks clear and if we will read what he's written we can hear his voice and be close to our God amen let me pray for us God we thank you so much that you cared enough to not just put us here and say well I hope they figure it out well you know someday I'll talk to them through a dream or something but God from the very beginning you said I want to dwell with my people I want my people to hear my voice I'm going to make myself known to them I'm going to be close to them I'm going to be personal to them and God right now we just know that the greatest joy of the enemy would be if we could discount everything you've ever written to us how much would we lose so God, today, I just pray for every person that's listening to this message that you will build faith in their heart to trust your heart for their good through your written voice. I pray that you will lead anyone who has taken enough of the Bible to be true that they believe they have forgiveness and eternal life, that they will be willing to let your, your word be an authority and challenge maybe some other areas of life. God, we thank you that you've spoken and we believe you have. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. As I've been saying all through the message, there is only one scripture in all religions, all sources, all around the world, through all time, that says there's a God in heaven who loves you enough to send his son to die for you. All we have to do at some point in history is engage with that, interact with that. You see, time compresses, and 2,000 years come together, and 
we look at Jesus hanging on the cross and he looks back at us and we say, thank you that you died for me. Now I'm going to live for you. And if you've never made that exchange, if you've never received the free gift of eternal life and salvation that he has for you, I want to help you do that right now through a simple conversation of talking to him. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. So now I want to live for you. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.